when you grow up as as a concert pianist or a singer or, or uh, you know a rock and roll guitarist or something like that, you don't need much. But if you go through uh, the the you know the, the direction and the way that I'm doing things today, you need a lot of technology. You need your own studio. You need a lot of things. So in order to obtain and to do all that, I had to to go through this um, uh, music industry, which is, it was not the best thing for me, and I had to play the game. And to go through this uh, music industry and to be, you had to be successful. You have to be successful. You have to sell records. You have to because this is the only thing they. I mean. They, this is what they, they're looking for. I mean, they're looking sales. Uh, and they're looking to have people to be able to sell and to be successful and to become stars, whatever stars they are. And that was a very difficult thing for me all my life because I never play the game. Uh, I play maybe at 10, 20%, but not 100% the game, which is a, not a very good thing for this game itself. Then and maybe, uh, fortunately or or unfortunately, uh, maybe I had a facility to write uh, uh, things that uh, uh, we call it uh, hits. And these hits maybe gave me the opportunity, in one hand, uh, to uh, to get the the. You know the, the the technology and the materials and the studios I needed to build all those things, but on the other hand, they has um, been my my biggest obstacle because I couldn't create and I, and I couldn't do the things I wanted to do since my childhood. I never been I never been a good <laughs> a pop star. I never been you know the. Uh, the type of of the the vangels that they try to sell the record companies i always that has been always my biggest problem uh, i was promoted in a different way from the, the from the one i am really not because i'm not the other one because i was doing it but i was doing it not because that was my you know, my primary decision is because I had to do it. Otherwise, I couldn't. I couldn't. How? I mean, through this the electronic uh, field, I couldn't uh, buy. I mean, all the synthesizers, and I couldn't. You know, equip my studio with the latest technology, and I keep doing until now, which is, I mean, a big thing. So I had to had to fund the funds, the funding. I always did it myself in order to create all those kind of things. And then that deprived me of, of another big, big, uh, very important uh, thing, which is the to create out of that, or maybe to do other things. And then, you know, something else that uh, when you work in that field, and if you have the, the chance or the misfortune to be successful, then you have to repeat yourself. This is another thing that I was trying not to do. And that that's that's why, you know, in record companies, they always say I'm very difficult and I'm, you know, and all that the stories. I mean, I'm not difficult, but, but I could never follow 
uh, you know, this prog product uh, kind of destiny to do, <laughs> to repeat myself and to be, you know, uh, a soft drink or a hard drink or, you know, a chocolate cake or something like that, the same, you know, fast food or whatever, you know, to repeat doing exactly the same thing, but I had to do it. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I still do it, but I mean, I, I, I can't say I'm very happy. But again, maybe what, what pushed the people to do that is because uh, since day one, I create uh, some quite big hits, so so that was really the good and the bad thing. You are most welcome to my YouTube channel. Make it a point to subscribe to Molinde Henry for all. This is your first time here. So another breaking sad news coming in. Avengers, the Greek electronic composer who wrote the Unforgettable Academy Award winning score for the film Chariots of Fire and music for, for dozens, dozens of other movies, documentaries and TV series has died at the age of 79 years old. So the reason behind this cause of death was actually not revealed. The Greek media reported that Vanyuris died in French hospital late Tuesday. The Greek prime minister, that is Mitsou. Takis and other So that was in memory of Angelus. He knew that he was about to pass away. And he spoke with such passion anytime anyone would ever speak to him. When I met him in Athens over two decades ago, I had asked him, you know, what motivates him to write the music, like literally write it. And what he was thinking when he wrote that piece. And he said, in general, most of the music that he's written, he says, is referring to the power of liberation that the mind and the people have. He was extremely talented. And he was one person that lived by faith. And to him, that was something better and greater than cowardly self-preservation. And in essence, that translates that the triumph, the amazing triumph of the soul over flesh is by not conceding to that low vibrational energy of hate, deceit, but rising to it as heroes do. That is exactly what heroes do. Heroes don't reason, they feel things, and they do things, and they persevere. And while many 
run and cower in the face of adversity and, and difficulties. Heroes stand when the odds are low and um, the outcome seems bleak. You know, when someone thinks, uh, thinks heroes are something, you have to understand that the only power that anyone has over you is the power that you have given them. We've said this before. Your worth, your value doesn't come from someone else or what they say or what they do or what they don't do or what they don't say. That doesn't determine what you are worth. Regardless, you don't stop. No one's responsible for your happiness. You are. You don't have to wait for people to approve you. Start approving yourself. Stop looking at people trying to look up to you. Stop looking at people to look to you. That's, that's not what you need. As people, we have addictions. We have, uh, you know, anxiety. We have poverty. We have low self-esteem. We have, uh, we're depressed. But that's not who you are. It just means that the environment around you that you've created or has been created around you by you, you attract everything, make you feel that way. But you don't have to be like your environment. Don't let the environment get in your way of being who you should be. Don't uh, let it become normalized to you and just bend the knee. There should be no limitations in anything you do. And you have to look out to yourself for what potential you have. You have to get out of these boxes that they've put you in. You have to try something new and you have to take that step. That step knowing that there is ground right under your foot, even if you can't see it. You don't have to think about what you didn't get or how the odds are against you or how difficult it is. You have to get rid of all the excuses. You don't settle, right? You don't look for an easy way out. You don't cower. You don't sit there. You have gifts. Individually, all of you have gifts. So much, so many different perspectives, so much to offer. Nothing is sadder than coming to the end of your life and realizing that you could have. Coming to the end of a situation or being confronted with an outcome that you didn't want because you didn't live with the possibility mindset to say there's a possibility that this is is I am possible, not impossible. It's I'm possible. It's really important that we remember that. Instead of thinking of the risks, think of all the benefits and the possibilities. You should start seeing yourself as someone that breaks barriers and breaks down walls and glass ceilings. And as an exception, you're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to rise higher and higher and higher and leave a mark. For those in your generation, that is how you're supposed to be. And you know what's great? That you guys have been acknowledged as such. You have been acknowledged as such. And in case you missed it on the chat, I think I should play it for you. We made our voices heard globally. We did that, pun intended. The economy. 
It's the it's the economy stupid is the famous quote. Well, they did polls on it. Yeah, they show the jobs and the economy. I mean, I hope that MSNBC just keeps talking about January sixth and insurrection (laughs) and all those kind of things because it doesn't mean anything to people. You know what? There's one thing that did it. The Federal Reserve. No, 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 no. There's one thing. (laughs) That's a jail, right? One thing. All of you at home participated in it. And you know what that one thing was that caused this big shift? Putting those little stickers of Joe Biden pointing at gas prices, <laughs> saying, I did that. Yeah. How many regular people went to the gas pump and they went, what? And then they saw Joe Biden. I did that. Well, and then they, they... He did do that. And he did do that. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Five bucks. Yeah, I err on the side of that the economy was on its way down anyway with this. Yeah, you did that. We did that. We did that. One little sticker... One little thing, put it on your shopping carts, put it at your gas station, put it on the food, put it, put it, put it. Huh. Would have been impossible if I told you a year ago, hey, I did though. (laughs) Everyone's going to join in. We're all going to get them to see it our way. They're going to see it with our eyes. And there we are. Here we are. So that's how you make change. Simple effective. But where do we go from there? There are so, there's so much going on right now. Um, I had a call with um, a bunch of the state groups, uh, administrators in regards to what we'll be doing. Um, The formulation is a little bit more tedious than I thought as it has to be concise because this isn't just going to anybody and we want to make sure we're heard. Kind of like the stickers. We're going to be heard. We are going to be heard. And they have no choice. We are going to be heard. And we will do this because, again, they have no power over you. And now they're going to see how the power of the pen really works. We've made all those changes. We motivated everyone to file lawsuits. We got people in the school boards, didn't we? We got them in the courts, all pro se, fearlessly filing and filing and filing. And yet, you know, now that they're brewing up the drama, days after Barack Hussein Obama invokes a rapist and drug addict, we have a shooting in Texas that is reminiscent and confusing and, you know, the internet is digging, right? Making all these conclusions And while those conclusions and those statements are correct or incorrect, we should look past them. We should accept what they say, accept what they say, and and look at what the reasoning is behind this. You know, when, uh, whenever we get together and do things, right, you see that um, change happens. We shut down Obama's presidential library. They're not answering anybody's questions, right? It's pretty crazy. And um, there's, there's a lot more to come. Let's just, I'll keep it at that. But what I wanted to focus on today is what's really, what are they really telling us? What is it that they are telling us? And what you will see is that Kissinger made a recommendation to Zelensky. He told Zelensky, here's what you need to do. You need to do this. And Zelensky says, no, 
it appeases Russia. I'm not doing it. And one would have to wonder, why would Kissinger provide something that supposedly appeases Russia? Let's look at this report from the news agency I told you will be telling you everything you need to know. Because bottom line is they are your government. I mean, not officially, but everyone that's worked in government or has been trained by the government is there. And let's not just point the finger at the left. Look at the right. Look how many people from Trump administration. We had uh, Lincoln Log, right? He's on, he's on Newsmax, right? They're all there. It's the same thing. Don't pick sides. We don't need to be picking sides. Fuck the sides. Now let's listen to this. Kiev's mayor with an urgent warning today uh, that Russia still plans to seize all of Ukraine. And the Ukrainian capital is actually Moscow's main target, he says. Ukraine says Russian forces are targeting dozens of towns in the eastern part of the country. There have been fierce battles around several Donetsk as Russia tries to encircle outnumbered and outgunned Ukrainian defences. Well, in already battered Kharkiv, yet more shelling today, killing at least four people and wounded seven. And Ukraine's foreign minister warns that Russia is trying to blackmail the world with its offer to unblock Ukrainian seaports and grain supplies if sanctions against Moscow are eased or part of his country in flames. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has made a blistering attack on Henry Kissinger. Now, it comes after the former U.S. Secretary of State appeared to suggest that Ukraine should give up territory to Russia in peace negotiations. Mr. Zelensky compared Kissinger's views to the appeasement of the Third Reich back in 1938, saying, and I quote, in the real year, 1938, when Mr. Kissinger's family was fleeing Nazi Germany, he was 15 years old. We'll see an international diplomatic editor, Nick Robertson, joining us live from Geneva. And this was a blistering attack by the Ukrainian president. Um, today, the German chancellor wrapping up the World Economic Forum uh, in Davos, suggesting simply we cannot allow Putin to win his war. Um, what do we make of these Kissinger comments? Well, they're very troubling for the, for the Ukrainians and actually for positions that it appears Euro many European governments in the United States have taken. I mean, we know from the United States, their view is that Putin should come out of this weaker, that he shouldn't be enabled. Olaf Scholz today speaking at Davos said Putin shouldn't be able to dictate the terms of the peace. We've heard from the British Foreign Secretary as well. Uh, it's saying very much the same sort of thing uh, today. And, and this is the narrative that we've heard from European Union and other leaders. So what uh, President Zelensky is saying is he's drawing this analogy between um, Henry Kissinger saying that, the, uh, that there should be peace negotiations that would essentially push Russia back to the pre February 24th, the pre-invasion lines, which would leave them with Crimea and part of the eastern part of Ukraine that they annexed back in 2014. He says that's not enough. 
his saying that to do that to President Putin today would be akin to what happened in Munich in 1938 when Hitler wanted to um, w was about to invade Czechoslovakia and there was a deal made. Britain, France, Italy all signed up with Germany. Hitler promised not to uh, annex any other parts of uh, Northern Europe. And he was given the Sudetenland, a, a sort of a German-speaking air border area with the Czech Republic. But of course, that became seen as an appeasement. And this is what Zelensky is saying, that you make, a, you make a move with somebody like Putin to give him what he wants, this territory on the ground, and he'll just come back and take more. You know, and there's evidence of, of what President Putin is doing now, not just taking the land, but we know just yesterday he announced it would be easier for people in the, in the now Russian-controlled Kershon and Zaporizhia areas to get passports. That's just a step along the path to annexation that's read right out of the russian playbook and zelensky is saying that too many lives have been lost and that and that we shouldn't be talking in terms of appeasement we should be thinking about all those lives lost uh, and that they're real people inside ukraine that, that this effect so it's a very strong and clear pushback mm. uh, that zelensky and the ukrainians are not going to let russia take a mm. more territory and they're going to want to take back what they got in 2014. So, uh, and one commentator writing in the Atlantic magazine uh, today, quote, Putin does not need an off-ramp. He needs to lose. Only when he is humiliated will Russia's wars of imperial conquest finally come to an end. That's Anne Applebaum writing in the, uh, the Atlantic magazine. I think her words uh, will resonate certainly in, in many of the European countries that are uh, and ha are close to Russia uh, 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 geographically, certainly, and 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 feel um, the, the the breath, as it were, of of Moscow um, as a as a threat going forward. Yeah, and and of course, at the, at the back of President Zelensky's mind is the fact that his military is only as strong as the weapons supplies they get. So if Kissinger's ideas take root, um, then, then there's a potential that the Ukrainians could be forced into a weaker negotiation um, than they wanted. And, and again, his, his reference to the, uh, to the 1938 in Munich, Czechos, uh, Czechoslovakia wasn't present at those talks where a deal was signed about annexing part of their territory to Germany at the time. Um, so uh, history there speaks very loudly to the Ukrainians. Um, but this idea that President Putin mm. will only stop when he meets uh, a bigger force that's able to make him do that. At the moment, he's calculating on the fact that that's not going to happen, that he can take this territory uh, and who's going to push him back. And that will come down to Ukrainians and that will come down to the resolve of the international community to take the economic pain, to take the shortage of world food supplies uh, uh, and, and continue to supply Ukraine with the weapon systems it needs, not only to hold Russia back, but to retake territory. And of course, Putin is right now, his military is making some gains in the east of the country, which is a tough narrative for the Ukrainians. Until now, mm. they've, been able, they've been able to show whatever's happening in some parts, they're making positive gains. Kharkiv being the latest. Uh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. So he's saying that the only way we win, thank you for the rants, um, the only way we win, he says, is if, uh, you know, uh, the whole world takes the hit of food shortages and gas prices being high so that we can fight. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? This is the Ukraine you're talking about. It's not the whole world. None of this happened during Iraq. 
None of this happened during Afghanistan. None of this happened at any war. I don't remember any war where Target was asking for donations, where Starbucks was asking for donations. And then I, I um, ran through the comments quickly before I b- bounce back to this screen. Um, people are like, yeah, this person has been advising governments forever. The corporations and people like Kissinger who are dying out. This is their death rattles. They're all dying out. Pelosi has one foot in the grave. They all have one freaking foot in the grave. Right? Who's going to take over? Alexander Soros? Get out of here. Who's going to take over? I, I think we got a few more years on Merkel, right? <laughs> Macron, the geriatric lover, right? Married his kindergarten teacher. So weird. Um, so, so who is it? Right. So they're trying to create a structure for the people they know aren't ready for this. Not only are they broke and have no money, but they don't have the support of the people. And how are the Ukrainians going to take control of the situation? They're killing their own people. That's what they're doing. They're literally killing their own people. So, so that on that. But then... This happens, and now everyone's confused. Russia's slashing interest rates. And they're like, is this a PR stunt, or are they showing a position of strength? No joke. They said that. Here we go. ...story of what's going on with Russia's economy right now. On the one hand, because of central bank action, there has not been a financial crisis. The ruble has staged an extraordinary comeback from a record low in March to close to a four-year high today. There was no sustained run on the banks, and so the central bank felt it had wiggle room on Thursday to cut rates for a third time in two months to 11%, not far off where they were when the war started. Financial stability risks decreased, the central bank noted, and inflation is slowing. So why couldn't they wait two weeks for the next regularly scheduled meeting? Well, this is the other side of the story. One reason, because too strong a ruble actually makes Russia's exports less competitive. Exports it's now reliant upon to fund its war and prop up its economy, especially given half the central bank's reserves are frozen by sanctions. And secondly, because the ruble is not the economy, and the economy is facing mounting problems. Yes, its total energy exports have remained relatively constant, but it's cut off from key imports, which is having a major impact on industries, And it's in the midst of an exodus of Western companies, some of them major employers. Cutting rates, in theory, will help spur economic activity. And it came alongside fiscal measures. On Wednesday, President Putin announcing that the country's minimum wage and state pension would go up by 10% from June 1st to help people deal with inflation, which is currently at 17.5%. More money, of course, means a lower chance of political dissent. And as one expert noted to me, another rate cut also gives the Russian government a good news story to distract from its economic decline. Sebastian, CNN, London. Economic decline. I don't think BRICS is declining anytime soon, right? We talked about BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And that was their problem, putting in South Africa, (laughs) because the UN went right there. It's like, but it is what it is. And the country didn't have debt and they're sanctioning. Did we sanction anything from people in other wars? I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't think so. 
See, that tells you everything you need to know that it's just that. And that's what they're pushing. That's all they're pushing. They're pushing the narrative. Now, the EU is accusing Russia of weaponizing food supplies. No joke. No joke. The cheek of Jake Topper, of all people, to talk about weaponizing food supply is insane. A Ukrainian soldier, you know, they're afraid of us, says the Ukrainian soldier describing taking down a Russian helicopter. Um, so bizarre. So freaking bizarre. Really bizarre. Take a listen to this. Since Russia first invaded Ukraine, 90. And the cost of the war is now being felt beyond the two countries. Today, the European Commission criticized Russia for, quote, weaponizing food supplies. This comes as the Russian army has been confiscating grain and blocking exports from ports in the Black Sea. Inside Ukraine, heavy shelling continues. CNN's Nick Payton Walsh traveled around villages to Kharkiv's north, where he says Ukrainians are not just defending their city, but looking to regain ground close to the Russian border. The forests around Kharkiv know no peace. We're just 15 minutes northeast from the city centre and the Russians are on the other side of the hill. Here, it is a fight on foot, waged with vast, cumbersome guns. You can see here when Kharkiv is being shelled every night, the sheer volume of shells that entails here. This must have been beautiful here three months ago now pillaged artillery in the place of birdsong it's just saying you can see how they live like pigs and died like pigs it's the kind of hatred we're seeing a lot of the back and forth of high explosive rattles in the pines like so much of the war, the battle for Kharkiv isn't over, it's just slightly out of sight, yet no less vicious or intense. In these kind of forests, it's extremely hard for them to know exactly what these noises are, whether it's them firing at the Russians 100 metres away, or the Russians firing back. Dusk brings escalation again. At all points north of Kharkiv that we saw over three days travelling, the same picture of Russian persistence. Even here, as we get closer to their border, the rumble is constant. The fight for Kharkiv now also one about protecting Russia. Yesterday and the day before yesterday, uh, we we were attacked by uh, tanks, hard artillery, um, and uh, helicopters. We hated one helicopter, and uh, they afraid of uh, us. You smile when you say they're afraid. Yes. But there's no room for grinning further northeast, where Ukraine is losing ground it won just days earlier. 
Russia has moved into the next town up, Rubizhne, in the hours before we arrive. The ruins fresh, still smouldering. And here, that means the constant bewildering shelling has new ominous significance. We don't know who's shelling, she says. Maybe here and there and that. It's terrifying. Not much has been spared here. Moscow hungry to cross the water and eager to punish. Uh, the bridge is blown, but it is across the river there that Russian forces amassed, shelling here constantly, and now sensing the possibility of taking part of the neighbouring town, Rubizhne. The prospect of a long, exhausting battle of attrition and loathing, haunting Ukraine's second city, even out here, where calm should flow free. Now, Jake, it's important to remember that that uh, area you were just seeing in that report is a place where nearby Ukrainian troops had pitched themselves near the border, planting a, a masked kind of flag. But it seemed to have been retaken by the Russians, pushing the Ukrainians back away uh, to the north of Kharkiv in an area where they'd hoped to make some strategic gains. Also, in the east of the country, uh, closer to where I'm standing here, we've seen Russia also make gains today. Ukraine saying it had to pull out of one town, and Russians appearing to be making some progress in that Donbass area around Svirodonetsk uh, and also towards another key town there as Slavyansk. Important to remember that as possibly Western focus on this war begins to slow, it is no way reflected in the violence on the ground and the persistent back and forth. What I have to say in the last few days, we are seeing Moscow making some small gains, Jake. All right, Nick Payton Walsh live. Keep in mind, right? It's been 90 days of an invasion, no invasion. It's the Ukrainians killing their own people. I'm surprised they didn't have a hands across Ukraine song, right? Uh, psychologically screwing with everyone to the point that people feel compelled to put out Ukrainian flags. Get the fuck out of here, right. And, you know, now they're like, yo, you know, you'll have a cut in this if you work with us. And Putin doesn't give a crap. Again, if you guys watch the interview with Oliver Stone, uh, and I've told you this before, too. Russia has zero debt, zero debt. People are so desperate to get their hands on Russia. And Russia's like, you're never going to get this, never going to get this because they're not going to stop. They violated a treaty. And here we are telling them that they shouldn't defend themselves. It's like China saying, yeah, no, we're we're going to be at Diego Garcia. But you're not allowed to. Those are our waters. Yeah. Well, tough. Are we supposed to sit there with our hands in our lap? What if Japan or decides, hey, Hawaii's ours now. Done. Uh, no, they're uh, a, a state of the United States. No, no. What if they take over the Marshall Islands? We're supposed to just let it go, right? We're supposed to say, yeah, so oh, we're not going to do anything about it, right? Is that what we're going to do? This is how silly it is and how desperate they are. They're showing footage of Ukraine bombing Ukraine uh, and telling us how Ukrainian soldiers are saying that the Russians are scared of them. The Russians aren't bombing anything because they're trying to save the people that are running to them. 
Eyewitness testimony from people leaving the country going to other European nations said that it was the Russians in the tanks that saved us because the Ukrainians were the one killing us. I mean, we're not making this up, you know, Hmm. for us in Ukraine. Thank you so much. Joining us now is Arseniy Yatsenyuk. He was prime minister of Ukraine from 2014 to 2016. During that time, Russia invaded and annexed Crimea. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us again, sir. Uh, The former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger suggested today that Ukraine should concede territory in its negotiations with Russia. Kissinger said, quote, negotiations on peace need to begin in the next two months or so before it creates upheavals and tensions that will be even harder to overcome. Ideally, the dividing line should return to the status quo ante. I believe pursuing the war beyond that point would not be about the freedom of Ukraine, but a new war against Russia itself, unquote. In other words, they know no one's buying it. They know that they will not survive this. And if this is a full blown out war against Russia, the Americans will say no, because they know Biden won't survive. They know. They know. They totally know. Now, listen to what they have to say. So going back to the quote, status quo ante, that means restore Russian control in Crimea and Russia and Russia's informal control of Luhansk and Donetsk. Is that something you think Ukraine should consider? I totally disagree. This sounds similar to this kind of appeasement policy that actually paved the way for Russia to invade Ukraine, to invade Georgia, to illegally annex Crimea, and actually to pose the threat to the entire world, including the United States. So the only option we have on the table is to win on the battlefield. And only afterwards we can really start real talks and negotiations. Otherwise, this will be a surrender, which Ukraine will never accept, period. It's been 90 days since Russia invaded Ukraine, and some, including U.S. intelligence, thought that your country's capital, Kiev, would fall to Russia within days. Months later, Kiev is still standing. Uh, Ukrainian forces are regaining land. Uh, Are you surprised by that at all? Well, Absolutely. Uh, I am not surprised because I know how Ukrainian people are courageous, how Ukrainian military is durable. Get the fuck out of here. Let me tell you something. If Russia wanted to take over the Ukraine with aggression, it would have taken them less than three days. Okay, when they wanted to take over other places, planes, bombed, done. Okay, done. So. He's been dancing with them, and he's like, look, you can get tired because I could go a few more rounds. I'm game. The people are losing it. I'm game. I'm totally game. Let's go. Oh, we thought you were going to fall in three days. That's a normal Russia. Russia wasn't invading. They were war, war. Where? Look, they're dead. And it's like, but um, (laughs) you're killing your own people. It's not Russians. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But look, they're dead because of Russia. We bombed our own people because of Russia. You see? You see? Ah. Where they were like, there's war. And Putin was like, we're not at war. I don't know why they're saying this. There's war. There's no war. Everybody, there's war. It felt like he was being punked. He was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I will help whoever wants to be liberated. I'm fast tracking citizenship. Get in. Let's go. So then the question you should ask yourself, one, Kissinger, who is the voice of reason for the globalists, tells him, guys, if we don't get this shit done in two months and just concede that territory, this is going to be our downfall. He's literally telling them we need to stop this because if we go full blown war on Russia, there is no going back. 
He is telling them, don't do this. This will be our downfall. And here they are. No, we're so courageous. With what? Blankets? You didn't get shit for guns. We gave them $50 million to make M16s and they had the wrong fucking shit. Or it was an AK-47s. I forget. You know, because we hired a guy that made fucking blimps to put guns together and he's never done guns. There's an article for that. Wrote about it two years ago. You should look at that. Because it tells you everything you see now was intended. (laughs) Was totally intended. And, and so I, I really, really commend the efforts of the United States Biden administration and your bipartisan support that actually decided to ship defensive and lethal weapon to Ukraine. This actually helped Ukrainian military to launch a counteroffensive that you just reported. Uh, that's true that a number of uh, Western intelligence uh, agencies believed uh, that uh, Putin is to take over Kyiv in 72 hours. And even Putin, he strongly believed that he can easily launch a lightning operation and to capture an entire Ukraine. He failed. Now he resorted to plan B. Uh, He's more concentrated in the areas in the east and in the south of Ukraine. And he had some very small incremental gains. But I I want to indicate once again and to reiterate that due to your support, and due to a very courageous Ukrainian men and women in the uniform, Ukraine launched a number of counter-offensive operations. Uh, so we already entered the first months of this war of attrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine still has a very high chance to win this war. In, if concerted actions of Ukraine and the Western world will be successful, they have, they have to, to be successful. successful. So, so for, for the, the first, first time, time, Ukraine has released uh, footage from your military using foreign-made kamikaze drones. You can see in this video here, we're showing our viewers the drone launching a powerful explosive that appears to have damaged a Russian tank. Uh, How much are these kamikaze drones giving Ukraine an advantage, allowing Ukraine to to win this war? Well, actually, the shipment of all these weapons that has been made by the U.S. administration made Ukrainian military stronger and more advanced one. it relates to everything, starting with the Hovitzers M777 and uh, these drones. So uh, Ukrainian military is really getting better than Russians. We are outnumbered on the one hand, but on the other hand, we have very good weapon delivered by the U.S. and our allies, and we have very strong soldiers and strong army. Former Prime Minister Arseny former Prime Minister Yatsenyuk. Even Jake Tapper wasn't buying it. You could see his face. Oh, the Ukraine's going to win this war if we have the rest of the world come in and help us. We have the best equipment. Shut up, dude. No, you don't. No, you don't. Russia does. That's why we got our panties in a twist when they gave the S-400s to Turkey. Russia does. China does. And they traded with Turkey for what? Turkey's number one in creating drones. Kamikaze drone, get get out of here. Go home. Go home. Go home. This is the most BS I have seen on a screen. And even Jake Tapper couldn't even hold a straight face. He was like, yeah, you know, um, sure. Uh, yep, you guys are totally going to win. That's right. Now let's shift gears. Everyone, everyone was, uh, <laughs> was, talking about how President Trump is endorsing people that are going to lose. 
that are, you know, that are not good. And I told you he's doing it to reinforce, right, um, his dominance in the GOP. Well, guess what? Republicans are actually challenging President Trump, and this is why he did it. His endorsements now are flopping in GOP primaries around the country. And that's because people do not take his word as gospel. He should have, people should have been reading in between the lines, right? They should have been reading in between the lines. And they should have been like, wait, he did say, you know, the primary, but there's always a November ballot. You know, he said that, you know. And now, uh, you know, Politico put out an article. And it says there's been some successes with J.D. Vance in Ohio and Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. But the intra-party conflicts sparked by Trump's endorsements of unpopular loyalists has made GOP heavyweights more willing to challenge the twice-impeached former president. In Missouri, GOP strategist Greg Keller said, It shows that while people realize Donald Trump is virtually in every way still the leader of the Republican Party, People are willing to stick their necks out and support good candidates opposite of Trump when they see them. Former President George Bush, former Vice President Pence, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie all campaigned in Georgia for Brian Kemp. Look weak when you are strongest. We should talk about Pence. We should really talk about Pence. And there's an article that I'm hoping tomorrow I will have published. But we really need to talk about Pence. I mean, today's Democratic Party is taken over by a radical left wing group that literally has lost their grip on everything that's always made this country great. With the full support of Stacey Abrams, in a little more than a year, think about it. The Biden-Harris administration has unleashed a tidal wave of left-wing policies that has eroded our standing in the world and stifled the American economy. You know, frankly, Democrats have moved so fast, sometimes I think the left hand doesn't know what the far left hand is doing. The truth is, we're in the midst of the worst border crisis in history. Inflation's at a 40-year high. Gasoline prices are up 75%. Young mothers can't find baby formula. Crime is skyrocketing in our major cities. And our foreign adversaries are emboldened by that disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Massive tax increases are on the horizon, and future generations every day are being saddled with massive debt. But my fellow Americans, I came here to tell you, it doesn't have to be like this. And Georgia has an opportunity to set the course for America back to freedom and opportunity for all. Oh, wow. How interesting. Now, let me tell you something about Mike Pence. Obviously, he's the reason that I say this. I say this with great confidence because I know that he wasn't supposed to be in Minot, North Dakota, two days after I sent communications to the White House. And I know because there's emails for that shit. Right. 
how they deployed that whole operation on me and filed that civil. They knew exactly what was coming, but that's okay. That's okay. Now, if you guys remember during a press conference, I had brought up all the staffers for Mike Pence. For those of you that believe that Mike Pence is just a, you know, a guy that doesn't go around women because it's not right, right? Or a creepy evangelist or something, right? I'll tell you what he is. He is very well-versed, extremely well-versed in what people call freedom of the press, quashing misinformation, having expert discuss the status of press freedom and hotspots to raise issues that are happening. Do you know what's really weird? He's been working with them for over almost two decades, two decades. So when I called out his own, you know, people, his staffers as a problem, I knew what I was talking about because it was actually very important, very important for the people to know. Very important for the people to understand who Mike Pence really is. Take a listen to one of your favorite people. Hello, I'm Congressman Adam Schiff, and I'm proud to join the U.S. Agency for Global Media in commemorating World Press Freedom Day. We honor the vitality and importance of a free and independent press around the world, and especially in these turbulent and trying times and celebrate the skill with which journalists pursue truth, even under the most dangerous of circumstances. In 2006, I co-founded the Bipartisan Freedom of the Press Caucus, along with then-Congressman Mike Pence. I'm now honored to serve as co-chair alongside Congressman Steve Shabbat of Ohio. In the years since we founded the caucus, the global environment for journalism has become increasingly hostile, as authoritarian regimes use their powers to try to silence those who would hold them to account. That's why we need the USAGM and its vital programs. The USAGM fills the dangerous void left behind by authoritarians and extremists who hijack and distort media ecosystems to spread propaganda. Through their networks, the USAGM reaches 354 million people every week who otherwise may not have reliable access to the kind of truthful reporting that they need to make informed decisions to protect themselves and their families. The COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated that accurate, timely, and impartial journalism is essential. And the next decade will be pivotal for the future of the free press as global crises converge and test the resolve of our institutions and those who work to uphold them. The U.S. Agency for Global Media remains absolutely critical to preserving democracy and protecting human rights across the globe. And we owe everything and everyone involved, especially the journalists on the ground, a debt of gratitude. On this World Press Freedom Day, let's recommit to remaining vigilant in the enduring fight for truth, accountability, and justice through journalism. The future of liberal democracy worldwide depends on it. Thank you. Huh. Huh. Oh, you mean, you mean what? You mean... Pence and Chef sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S, fucking America. That's what they're doing, okay? And the thing is, who was the one that recommended Pence and why? And how he is pitting himself against President Trump, endorsing candidates that Trump will not endorse. And see, this is a battle. 
Like I told you, this is a battle. Yeah. I think the best punishment is to put Schiff back in that baby doll dress with a pacifier and parade him down with the bell. Shame, shame, shame. Just like that. Now, of course, CNN will not let it go that he has foes. And uh, because his candidates that he endorsed, you know, no one's backing him. And so they're having a party about this. And I told you this is the reason. There's a reason for it. It's an internal war because there's idiots, complete freaking idiots, (laughs) that are calling themselves freedom fighters, that are trying to maintain the structure of the GOP. And you know what's fantastic? That by President Trump doing this and picking people that you know in your heart, you're just like, nah, man, this is really, I can't vote for that person. He is destroying the GOP. And they think that they're winning. That's the funniest part. So all the idiots supporting the GOP, well, you're just as stupid as the GOP. Georgia sending a message in Tuesday's primary. The former president's political squabbles, Apparently not their main concern. Voters overwhelmingly supported incumbent Governor Brian Kemp against Trump-backed former Senator David Perdue in the primary there to run for governor. As a Republican, Kemp won the primary without Trump's support, is set for a rematch now with Democrat Stacey Abrams, CNN Chief National Affairs Correspondent Jeff Zeleny, joining us live from Atlanta this morning. Uh, so it was quite a showing in Georgia yesterday. What should we really be taking away from this moving into November? Eric, I think above all, it showed that there are limits to the grievance that has been expressed for more than a year by former President Donald Trump. Republican voters clearly sent a message here in Georgia yesterday up and down the ballot that they are looking forward. They are looking ahead to the next elections, both in November and perhaps beyond that. They are not looking backward at the 2020 election. You saw that in the governor's race, some 52 percent that or 52 points. That is what Governor Brian Kemp defeated former Senator David Perdue by, who, of course, was drawn into this race entirely by the former president entirely to try and avenge the uh, big lie from uh, 2020. But take a listen to Governor Kemp last night. He didn't mention Trump, but he talked about the noise in the primary. Even in the middle of a tough primary, conservatives across our state didn't listen to the noise. They didn't get distracted. They knew our record of fighting and winning for hardworking Georgians. So this was the latest example of an endorsement from the former president had its limits. The third governor's race this month in a high profile situation where the former president's candidate lost. But, Erica, perhaps the most important result last night here in Georgia, the secretary of state's race. Brad Raffensperger, who will all remember, certified the election returns. He turned down the Trump request to find more votes for him so he would win Georgia. He uh won over Congressman Jody Heiss, backed by the Trump um, movement. He beat um, winning by more than 50 percent. So he's avoiding a runoff election as well. So going into November, the same team of Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger, who certified the election here for Joe Biden, will be on the Republican ticket. So across the board, Erica, a big loss for President Trump. Republicans clearly looking forward. Erica. Jeff Salony, appreciate it this morning. Thank you. Stop. I just can't. I just can't. He just helped us destroy the GOP. So any idiots out there that think that the GOP can be (laughs) resurrected, please. 
You know what's funny, though? In Wisconsin, an election official resigned, saying he lost the backing of fellow Republicans because of his refusal to support former President Trump and his false claims about fraud, right? And um, he was really pissed, too. He was really pissed. Nudson just was like, fuck it. Then, you know, obviously all the Republicans are talking shit that he failed on the endorsements. Fantastic. And then, you know how the the red stringers and all these people laughed? Where are they now? Where they're like, oh, you know, uh, yeah, Tory said that they committed fraud, you know, um, and violated their laws to keep her off the ballot. What a bullshitter. Yeah. Well, it's happening around the nation. How's that? I was just the first one to test it out because Ohio is first. Like I said, Ohio is going to be first on everything. It's leading the way to bullshit. Well, Mike Brown, who was a candidate, announced the end of his campaign on Tuesday after thousands of petition signatures for himself and a slew of other candidates were deemed invalid. He's a Republican, Michigan state police captain, and was running against other prominent conservative candidates like James Craig, Perry Johnson, and Garrett Soldano. Now, uh, gubernatorial candidates are, are required to submit um, 15,000 signatures, valid signatures, to appear on the state ballot. And according to the Elections Bureau, a lot of them were affected by a series of petitioners who obtained nothing but invalid or otherwise unusable signatures, putting them well below the mark of qualification. See, I had this conversation with my campaign team where people were like, hey, we can help you collect signatures. And, you know, you don't have to pay us, you don't have to do this, or you have to pay us, or you have to do this. And I'm like, yo, if these people aren't vetted and they're not part of our Ohio group that we know we're not doing it because I could foresee that. So we went out and we got more signatures than we needed in order to make sure that we had a buffer because they literally did that. They had, they paid people to go and get signatures. And the thing is in Michigan, what they did when they got the signatures is they only get a signature. So it could be a scribble, which is invalidated. You can't just put a circle on there, but they paid. So they assumed, Oh, these people are good. Dummy. You think the GOP is going to let you come in and destroy what they built? Huh. You see? Oh, but Tory's just talking shit. Well, Tory's on the fucking November ballot. For now. They might challenge it. I got this weird communication from the state uh, secretary of state. Not, not a problem, but odd. So, <laughs> and then a lot of people are like, all right, you got to win. Because guess what? The GOP is not going to win. You know why? Because people are too stupid to look at the numbers. The state of Ohio is red, right? It's bright red. And when I um, spoke with someone who used to be, um, you know, supposedly a patriot, and they're like, no, 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 we can reform the GOP. And I'm like, you're so dumb. Um, well, what happened is, if you look at the election results, the Democrat candidate got almost three times the votes that Frank LaRose did. Uh, twice, a little bit over 50%. Now, I find that really hard to understand, considering that Mike DeWine says the Democrats voted for him. That's really weird, considering that, you know, <laughs> the Democrats had high numbers too for their candidate for Secretary of State. They had like 400,000. And it's like, that doesn't make sense because you're filing straight ballot. And you're not on the fucking Dem ballot. 
So how did Democrats vote for you when the amount of Democrats and more that exists in Ohio, a lot more, right? Turns out they got full representation. <laughs> That's so weird. Democrats never go to primaries. So weird, but they got the numbers and she ran unopposed anyway. So the, the, the question is, <laughs> you know, how did DeWine get Democrat votes if the Democrats were voting for the Democrat candidates? It's so bizarre. And extras, right? Usually it's a turnout of about 200,000. But now for some reason, she got over 450,000 votes. That means the GOP got diddly fucking squat. They got exactly the amount of votes that they did. If that doesn't tell you it's fixed and the statistics don't count, then what? What? People don't pay attention. You know, everyone, uh, you know, talks about statistics and, oh, yeah, you know, Seth Kessel, statistician and all these people. Well, where is he saying the statistics don't make sense in Ohio with the primary? Nobody is talking about that because, you know, uh, Trump's endorsed candidates were voted in. So it was totally fair. Get the fuck out of here. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? That's the problem. The people, right, don't pay attention. We cannot have election with the machines, which really sucks because on the ballot, I'm on the ballot in November, but we're not going to have elections. So there we go. Because if anyone in Ohio had a little bit of common sense and a little bit on their mind, right? Oh, wait. Um, so Dewan got like 500,000 votes. Okay. Well, that's weird. He says he got a lot of those votes because um, the Democrats voted for him. <laughs> well, that's weird, too, because there's usually about 200,000 Democrats, and we just had over 100% more turnout, and they all voted for the Democrat candidates on the Democrat ticket that DeWine was not on. So in Ohio, you can't vote cross-party. You only vote either Democrat or Republican. So how did they drop a vote for the other candidates and then went over and dropped one for DeWine? That mathematically inconsistent <laughs> makes zero sense. But people are too dumb to pay attention to the details. Hence why I said that if this actually goes through, I could win. But we're not having elections, so that's unfortunate. See, this is where people need to be paying attention. When one and one is equal to fucking three and you're just like, okay, the math doesn't add up. But, you know, so weird, so bizarre. It's like nobody can do, you know, everyone's doing that common core shit, right? So no one's paying attention that the Ohio primary was rigged, okay? Ohio primary was rigged. The GOP rigged it and no one's paying attention. No one is paying attention. But... Yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Like, Tori's so dumb. Like, they would go and break the law. Yeah, they just totally rigged the primary. And the math doesn't make sense. But, you know, I'm just making stuff up because whatever, right? <laughs> Let's take a short break so we can shift gears and um, talk about what their new campaign is coming up to a very hot summer, right? New campaign, hot summer. Again. A little bit of a tribute to Vangelis. Let's go.
I bet you most of you don't even know what the words say. The song is called Conquest of Paradise. Clearly, the translations have been not so well. But it's pretty interesting how in, I would have to say, um, in um, the words you find is that it says that in Rome, uh, you pull for your own self-preservation roams. Pull for me, and that's the domination. Pull for me that dominates. In theory in Rome, not regular Rome. The words are quite incredible. In the night of a foot, in the night found many times thereabouts, for them they dominated. It's called the conquest of paradise. It's quite ominous, if you ask me. And it was pretty interesting as the language is uh, apparently, uh, you know, a mishmash of not really, it's like a pseudo uh, wannabe Latin, but it actually says that this is what they're doing. It's not saying we're doing it. It says they're, they're, their job is to increase self-preservation because as you dominate the world with self-preservation, you con- you, this is the conquest of paradise, making everyone selfish because then that makes your imagination less. He was telling the world in fake Latin was really going on. So I thought I would um, demonstrate that to you because it's um, quite interesting. So now let's take an actual musical interlude with a real intermission and listen to a fantastic mashup. Here we go. start the fire right but let me tell you something we're about to get this some real hot i'll tell you why so when uh the shootings happened in buffalo and texas oh they love that blood spilt you know then we had beto the beta male come out and do something they condemned laura loomer for doing when she said call me you're going to jail remember when she said that and they were like oh my god that's so crass you know he's giving a press conference like shut up and there was beto showing his beta stuff right 
bang, 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 do the bang, bang. So Beto interrupted Abbott so he can make this political, right, with all these deaths. Keep in mind, not a lot of people know what's going on, okay? Compartmentalization of the actual facts is key to get real responses. You know, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people that are fighting this or dealing with this that are confused and, you know, watching what you say. So we had all these shootings, right? Man, 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 man. And then the one government tells the other government, you need to ban guns. Da, no joke, right? No joke. That's a real thing that happened at the White House today that your government on your TV told the government that's pretending to be in charge of the White House because they have zero control. They know what's coming. They want your guns because they know what is coming. And the thing is, that's not the way it's going to come. We're going to use our pens if people eat a little bit of crow and shut the fuck up and join forces together. They need to stop. I mean, even fucking Salty Lulu that was all about, I know the truth, that infiltrated all these groups and created things is on TikTok saying, you know, um, we need to join forces. It's like, bitch, shut up. You like release text messages thinking that you're going to go tell the Democrats, you know, oh, look at what the Republicans are doing and the conservatives. And now you're just like, holy shit, they're fucked up too. And the Republicans are fucked up too. We, the people need to join forces. And it's like, look, girl, you're a little too late. You're a little too late, but I'm more than happy to work with anyone that wants to write this ship. That's how everyone should be. Cause I'm sorry. You're not more important. We, the people are, and they're starting to understand it. See, if you look at all these, um, people that you consider influencers, right? They don't have two pennies to rub together. They're getting either funded by someone with really deep pockets or by the the establishment. That's it. Cuz there's no people literally funding these these their activities. I want to know how Uncover DC is supported. No one's donating there at all. I I I support other channels too. I support Polly, the amazing Polly. And I'll send things to other people too. Right? Uh, but I'm going to tell you is none of these influencers. So I want to know where they're getting all this money. How is, you know, uh, you know, that human, whatever thing, human events thing working. Who's paying for that? Who's paying for all these things? Think about it. Who's paying for all these things? If you're not paying for it, someone is. Hmm? Hmm? Someone is. Someone is. Mike Lindell is paying for everything himself. So we already know who, what interests they are, and those are good interests. We like Mike. I mean, I do. So who's funding them? Who's funding all these people? Unless they're on YouTube making money, you know, uh, who's funding them? Right? Ah, there it is. Now you get it. Who's funding them? I mean, the only people thumping these places are if they were assets before. 
And they're like, oh, but they're really good people. They did this and they helped me with that. And who's funding them? I want you to think of it. If you, the people, aren't funding them, who's funding them? See? Key thing that I've always said, follow the money. Right? Right? So you have to think, who's funding them? If they're still making content, because they're really not. They're just regurgitating things, and some of them are trying to, you know, just who's funding them? <laughs> okay, now take a listen to this. Uh, two, two quick things. Um, um, First, um, apparently the company uh, that sold the shooter the, his rifles uh, received a $3 million PPP loan under the last administration. Um, do you know if there's any effort by this administration to... Okay, so the gun, the boy that doesn't exist with the skirt and the socks. Um, and mom from North Dakota that shot his abuela and then went, walked into a school. That all of us that have kids know we can't just walk in like stop, stop. But he walked in after he crashed his car. Well, the gun manufacturer should be sanctioned because he bought his gun. So if it's a Glock, if it's a Saint, if it's, you know, whatever, we should get them and sanction them because some idiot bought a gun from them. Because, you know, they just make guns, but they should be held accountable. Maybe we should hold accountable Sony and Samsung for four years of attacking us with the Russia hoax through their screens. But we didn't make the content. We didn't do it to you. It's just a TV. Yeah, but your TVs facilitated the bullshit that they've been feeding us. So we want to sue you. This is how ridiculous this argument is. And he's making it. And this motherfucker gets paid by the New York Times. This is a New York Times reporter. And he said that. Jesus that money back. So I, this is the first I'm hearing about this. So I would have to go back to the team and uh, and look into it. Do you know the name of the company? The company is Daniel Defense. D a n i e l Defense. Apparently, they they received a three point one million dollar PPP loan right at the beginning. Um, um, my colleagues have been writing about it apparently today. But if 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 Assuming that is confirmed, would the president, do you think, support the idea of trying to claw that money back? I, I, I honestly, Michael, I need to check with the team and just make sure that is actually factual, then, but I need to check with the team. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And we'll, and then, when we'll, we'll get back to you on that. And then, and then just, you know, going back to the question that I'm sure, you know, everybody has been asking, which is the sort of what is the president going to do and can do? Um, you talk a lot about the outrage, you talk a lot about that he wants Congress to act. Um, you talk a lot about the emotion that was in this room. I think a lot of the other people, a lot of people here were too when the pre President Obama cried at yeah, the podium hours, hours after. Okay, so for those of you listening to this on a podcast, this clown is the only idiot in the room right now in the press pool wearing a mask. And then he goes on to refer how Backdoor fun man Obama, right, cried at that podium. Lord, have mercy. After the Newtown, um, uh, Newtown shootings, uh, there have been a million shootings since then. Lots of expressions of outrage. Um, lots of expressions of wanting the wanting Congress to act. They haven't. I mean, there are people out there. Saw several of them on TV today. 
um, who say this president needs to do more than all of that. This president needs to declare a national emergency. He needs to create task forces. He needs to create, you know, a czar of gun things. He needs to say he's not leaving this building. Uh, he cancel his vacations. Tell Congress, you know, members from Congress to get in a room and not not leave until they, you know, until they got a solution and not accept some of the sort of half measures that, um, you know, are, are sort of being offered. And I guess the question is why, why isn't he doing any of that? So on the public health, on the emergency, he has already done that. Um, the president has already declared gun violence uh, to, be, be a, to be a public health epidemic. He has done that already. And he has mobilized our federal departments and agencies, including the Department of Health Services, uh, to, to respond. So that is has been done. Look, this is a president, as I've said already, uh, who has been working on gun violence, uh, gun reform, comprehensive gun reform since he was a senator. And he also was there, as you're talking about, uh, you know, what, what President Biden, I mean, President Obama had to deal with. He was there. He was his partner in that and took on uh, that uh, that portfolio of dealing with gun violence. He was there at the table. Isn't that um, more of an indictment than it is a, a plus to say that, that, the, that the current president has has been involved in this for more than, you know, more than, you know, for decades, and it's not being fixed. These, these things are happening over and over again. But look, Michael, we are frustrated as well. We are angry as well. I said this earlier and I'll say it again. This is a president who has done more via executive actions. This is how much of a priority this is for him because we're a year in into his presidency. More via executive actions than any president in their first year. Key there. He's put out more executive orders than any other president. Yet they were shouting about President Trump, right? More executive orders than any president. And the New York Times is like, you got to do something. It's, <laughs> I want to know, does that New York Times guy pack? I mean, are those public records to find out if Maggie Haberman and them have applied for a gun license or do they just use bodyguards, right? That's interesting. These people are insane. They tried under the Obama-Biden admin round one, right, to take away your guns, but it didn't work because with the San Bernardino thing as well, you know, the dummies were apparent. So they had to use real people. So who are they going to use for target practice? Immigrants. <laughs> they don't care about them. That's true. That's true. It's, it was so realistic. So realistic. Everything was so realistic. Just like the kidnapping of the Michigan governor. Super realistic. Did anybody challenge the signatures for the Democrat candidates? You know, that that's really interesting. So interesting. So interesting. See, they just want your guns because they know what's up. And I told you what's up. All the states are working with them. They want to make this about guns. They want to push it. New York Times and CNN and MSDNC and all of them I'm pretty sure the DNC and the DCC got PPP loans too. They push lies. They're not doing their job. Oh, but they're classified as entertainment. So they're classified as freaking entertainment. So I guess they're not news, but everyone says they're news. So it's just the show. See, see, this is how insane they are.
But many of those are not directly right, related which is to why, mass shootings. They, which, they may be directly related to guns, but, and, and that's important, I'm not saying, but right. they're not directly related to... Well, this is why we're calling on Congress to act. The president is doing what the president is your the president is doing what he can right from here from the White House and now and he has said he cannot do this alone he has been very clear we he understands we need to do more but Congress also has to act he has done a comprehensive uh, plan on gun on, on gun violence we have listed that out every couple of months we talk about what he's doing what executive action he's taking and now he is saying Congress needs to act. And, but he has been saying that for some time. Yeah, Kristen. I want to follow up on this idea because the president campaigned on a promise to be able to bring. Let me tell you what they want. Red flag laws. I've talked about this before. Someone doesn't like you, they report you. So, uh, for example, just so you can see how some people think they're important, that the people, you know, inundate themselves with them. Right. Um. So, uh, for example, Patrick Berge, for whatever reason, keeps talking about me and he thinks I give a shit what he does. Like, I don't care. Right. He's a liar. He's a loser. And he's playing for Obama's team. So you're dead to me. Right. It's like I don't even acknowledge you exist. But for some reason, that person thinks he lives in my mind. He, he really doesn't. Even though he's tapped in the IIA aspect of it, of raw story, which, by the way, sent an email out. I should I should read that to you. Let me read this email to you guys, because I actually responded. And, and I'll tell you what my response was on that. Um, give me a second. So, hold on. Let me pull up the email first to read it to you. Um, shit. It's in this one. Give me a second, you guys. Because I can't swap screens and see comments. It's just driving me insane. Come on. Okay. Okay. I want to search. There we go. Search. Wow, it's taking forever. Damn. Trying to find it. I need to get this for you guys. You guys have to, you guys have to hear this email. So that you understand what I'm saying. Oh, shit. I have to open up the damn computer one because it's being stupid. <sighs> Morning. I'm working on a new story for Raw Story. Like much of my previous reporting, the story pertains to the activities of Team America, a group of active in pursuing evidence of election fraud that was based in the Washington, D.C. area from mid-November 2020 to about January 20, 2021. The individuals who made up the core of Team America were Millie Weaver, Gavin Wins, Tori Maris, and Patrick Berge. Actually, you'll see my response. While the story does not focus specifically on Maris, I have some questions about her claims about Seidel in November of 2019 blog post and later in her declaration for Sidney Powell's lawsuits. Specifically, I want to ask her about how she drew on the research of Vanessa Teague, Sarah Jamie Lewis, and Olivia Perrier to make these claims. Now, let me read you my response. Because I had to. I just had to. It's important that I do. I said, first off, Patrick Perge was not part of anything. He simply attached himself as he admits himself. He was busy trying to convince people to fund his vision of the internet and nonprofit that is a bar with computers. His behavior is consistent with someone who is mentally ill and he himself proclaims he has PTSD that he himself makes known and is always carrying a weapon. 
As an individual who is emotionally volatile, you can look at his own streams. How do you tell him to leave without being at risk? Patrick Berge did nothing. He simply claimed he was helping when all he was doing was taking people's money to supposedly help. I think that's literally defined as grifting. The guy says anything to make a buck. It's pretty sad. As far as my statements and claims, you can read my affidavit and anything I've published. In the interest of your article, I have to say that you have posted defamatory statements before. My attorneys are well aware of your previous publications, and we are strongly considering in joining you to a suit for accountability. Taking the word of someone that publicly exhibits behavior consistent with that of someone mentally ill, aggressive, and a risk to one's safety, like Patrick Berge, and posting it as fact has consequences. As per the research, if you read my affidavit, you would know that I'm an amateur cryptographer. Therefore, I am very familiar with cryptography, ethics, and research surrounding it. I participate in attending such conferences and seminars when I can. Next time you publish a hit piece, check with me. You look non-credible posting texts that were rescinded in pers- by the person who posted them. Be honest. Don't do the Russia bombshell of collusion again. Be on the right side of history. Thanks. So I say this because people that are bitter for whatever reason will go to great lengths to cause harm to others. Uh, There was a video. I'll play it for you. Let me find it. That someone shared. Give me a second. That I had nothing to do with. Like literally. And yet, you know, it's being reported left and right by Berge and whatever other bots he can uh, for not using, what is it called? Um, There's a term for it. He said, uh, unlicensed soundtrack and B-roll showing unlicensed clips. So he's filing claims on YouTube to shut down speech that he doesn't like. And And I realize now why he did that. It's because some of this video has him in it. I, I didn't watch uh, all of it, but let me play it for you guys so you can watch it. For those of you that um, are listening to a podcast, it's um, Violet Orlandi's version, which I actually played Hotel California yesterday. Um, so that's super coincidental, I guess. Um, probably a listener did this. But here we go. Let me play it for you. Oh, 
that was actually a pretty dope um, video compilation. Someone's been paying attention, whoever this question mark is. And it's pretty interesting because they get it. They get it. And that's the thing. There's a lot of people like that salty Lulu person. She's on TikTok making accounts saying, you know, I thought that I could infiltrate the Republicans because they did everything. And then I went to the Democrats, but then I saw they're just as bad. And, you know, they were the ones that did the America First audits and uh, was cozying up to Seth Cashel, who's apologized to me. So it's whatever. Everything that he said was whatever. You know, I told him, why did you like flat out lie? And, you know, he had no answer. I mean, he was getting some punani, whatever. He said whatever. I mean, it's not that good either. But um, but they're getting it. You know, they're getting it. I totally want that graphic with the eyes and the numbers. That's so badass. Um, but anyway, they totally, you know, people are starting to get it. People on the left are starting to get it. People on the right are starting to get it. And you know the red stringers already got it, but they're just too proud to eat the crow. They're just hoping, well, maybe I'll get popular on truth and everyone will forget. We'll just share memes and stuff and complain and everything will go back to 2018. And it's like, look, dude, it's not how it works. Because if you, for some reason, get out of this hot mess, with just the few of us that are actually working our asses off and deposing, testifying, and doing, your kids are going to be right back in the same position. You need to write this ship to the point that there's no such anchor again. But like the song, right, Conquering Paradise, you conquer it, when it's about self-preservation, ego, me, me, me. Conquering paradise isn't something good. You're taking it out. But whatever, right? But whatever. Now, as we see, um, red flag laws are just like that. When you're salty and disgusting, you start reporting people. So you can rest assured that the minute red flag laws are up, all of you are going to have zero guns. Because someone's going to call and it's going to be like, well, you know, it's kind of, it's going to be like an organization like CPS. They're actually creating it. Nobody knows that yet. I mean, it's not public, but it's already there. They've already got set an organization within DHS, kind of like CPS. It's not federal and not regulated, but it's like a separate entity that examines these claims. So these are going to be anonymous statements of how bad you are. And they're going to be like, look, we're just taking your guns away for a year. You're going to go to one of the licensed therapists, we say. And we're going to try to make sure that it's okay that you can have guns. And they're going to take them. So that's how it goes. Somebody hates you. That's what they do. And we already know. We don't even need to discuss these things right now. We really don't. We really, really don't. It's just so sad. Because now, guns are a leading cause of death of kids in the U.S., according to CNN. Well, are they just focusing on Chicago? Are they talking about the 13-year-old that shot a police officer in Louisiana that nobody's talking about, right? Are they going after the, that gun manufacturer? Did the kid get it on credit? 
He's 13, so he probably stole it from someone, right? So this kid turned 18, and within two days, he had expensive guns that none of us can afford, right? Majority of us can't afford. He got it on some credit. So, <laughs> so it's not suspicious that someone gets credit right out the gate once they turn 18 to buy a shit ton of weapons, walking in with knee-high socks and just get, get out of here. You know what? This a, this place that he applied through to get these guns, I want CCTV. I want paperwork. I want to see IDs because if they gave someone who had no ID guns or if they're playing in on it, we got to check this company out. Is it a legit company? Is it a government-owned company? Is it a federally contracted company? You know the drill, usaspending.gov, right? These are the things you look for. And that's how things start to make sense. You just look at the right places, right? You just look at the right places. Like, where's it coming from? Is this CIA credit, right? <laughs> what credit is this? Who, who gave him the credit? Out of nowhere, out the gate. Usually when you do these credits to buy through like weird companies, not a credit card, they want to see something. They don't just hand it out. And especially now with inflation, they're not giving shit away. So that's a question right there. The financing company, does that contract with USA spending dog Look it up. Those are the things you look for. Don't focus on the fact that, hey, that person was also over there. And that looks like a composite. That does not look like a real photo. That, that Those are details. See, I say this all the time. We need to stop focusing on the details and focus on the core, hardcore facts. The shit that they can't, well, you know, this is really weird that both the financing company and the gun company were both active contractors with the government. That sounds super weird. And this credit agency, can we pull, I would like to know how many applications with people that have just turned 18 got approved and what ID did this boy show? Did he show you proof of address? You know, you got to give all that. He's fresh. Credit report zero at 18. So you got to show all that, right? Where'd it come from? Those are the real questions you need to focus on. Not on this other bullshit. The red stringers are making you look nuts by comparing pictures. They're, they could be 1 million percent correct. Million percent correct. Kind of like stealing the ballots, stuffing the ballots. 100 million percent correct. But what did I say? Guys, maybe we shouldn't focus on that. That's actually in the AFL-CIO's plan. They've already won. They already got the electors. They tell you that in four weeks, this is going to happen with the electors. Look, it's written down from fucking September of 2020. Maybe you shouldn't look there. Maybe you should look at things that you can actually battle, like the people that certify the machines aren't certified. That's a win. That's foundation. No, we're going to look at people that are pulling out suitcases and we're going to nab them. And then we're going to listen to all these people that are telling us about Venezuela and how Maduro's in it when the machines were under Chavez, but whatever. And, you know, we're going to do all of this. Okay. And we're totally going to ignore that. It's part of the plan and right in front of us. So again, this is like Sandy hook, you know, no one paid attention that 
people that worked in that school district had to sign NDA six months before the event. People were transferred. There were new employees in the district that were temporary because they supposedly closed the school down. So weird. The school was closed, but there was an active. I'm not even getting into the details. Details. Details that make you go through rabbit holes. Here's how you deal with that. Here's lesson 101. When there's details that are really fucked up and you have no idea and you're just really pissed and it's like, wow, you know what you do? You say, all right, it's either a false flag or it's not. Now, let me look at the companies that were involved. Let's see how many of them contracted with the government. Let's do a request on the identification of this young man. Did he have a driver's license? I mean, if you're going to get a loan, you've got to have a Texas ID. But apparently, you moved to Texas with your grandmother and your mother lives in North Dakota. And therefore, you may or may not have an ID. And you aren't a student at the school, but you went to that school. So that means you weren't in school. Or did you graduate early from high school? I have all these questions. All the evil lies in the details. The core truth lies in the basic facts. See, if you look at the details, you get lost in translation. Well, you need to look at his boy, gun, company that gave it to him. All right, let's look. Company that gave it to him is XYZ. Did he buy it cash? No, he did not. How did he buy it? On credit. Company that gave credit right there. What are their requirements to get credit for three and a half thousand to five thousand dollars worth of weapons? Um, uh, a state driver's license within the state of Texas. So he has a driver's license or a permit. How long has he had that? Did he provide proof of address? What about proof of employment? Did you ask him for a down payment? Did he have a long credit history considering that he's 18? Huh? Parsimony. Keeping it simple. How many times uh, in the past five years have I said, Occam's razor, the simplest answer And the simplest pathway gives you the best results. That's number one. That's what you look at. Then, you know, the details are just details. And that's just embellishments, right? Embellishments. That's it. You know, uh, my family, we buy a lot of guns, right? A lot. And um, we have a card, a Shields credit card. Um, uh, Actually, I didn't get it because I wasn't approved, right? but my daughter did. And that's the one that was used so that we can purchase weapons, but they give you a credit limit of 3000, your guns like 500, right? How did he get close to $5,000 worth of bullets and guns? Just like that, out of the gate, out of the gate. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, right? No sense whatsoever. And yet people want to talk about pictures and details and, oh, they shot up all these migrant kids and Border Patrol just happened to be in the area moseying along. Why? Right? See, that's what you need to focus on. The facts, they cannot be manipulated. Pictures can be manipulated. Narratives can be manipulated. I mean, they went from 14 dead to 19. Maybe they'll just add more numbers to it. You know, someone that was killed, then passed away the next day. That's weird. You know, mom was being handcuffed when she tried to rescue the kids, but the cops were holding her away from the place. Like, why? So many questions. Fuck the questions. The right questions is what you need to ask when you're assessing situations like this, right? Kid just turned 18, right? And gets a credit line for up to five, almost $5,000 worth of weapons. Did What identification did he provide for this credit line? Did this credit person just give it to him? These are the questions. These are the questions. Don't look at anything else. 
if you see one thing out of place, you could be like, yep, false flag. That was a setup just like the, the, the kidnapping that they admitted to now. All of them were feds except for this crazy guy that they convinced to go along with it who is literally card-carrying crazy, right? He's mentally ill, and they used someone who's mentally ill, which is such an abuse, right? Like, it's not fair. Like, even times when I take pokes at people that I know are mentally ill, right? And I chastise, I guess, sometimes. You know, I can get petty, too. I could get fed up. I feel bad because it's not their fault that they're not all together in their head. I mean, you can look at them and you know they're nuts, you know, and it's not right. Like running a race against someone with no legs, with no wheelchair. Okay. That kind of race I would win. I'm not a very good runner right now. So again, 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 you know, it's a false flag. You feel it in your bones that this is BS. Kind of like the Pulse nightclub because there's no graves for all those that were dead. But, you know, I'm just saying, well, then just accept it and say it is. Now let's move it along and look at the facts and see how you can nail them. That's how you work. That's how you work. Because then you get shit like this. And on Capitol Hill, the fact remains that an overwhelming majority of Americans support at least some gun control measures. measures. So why hasn't Congress acted? John Avalon with our reality check. 19 children murdered in their classroom. Look at their faces, say their names, and know that we do not have to accept this as normal in America. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. And it's not politicizing a tragedy to ask what we can do to make this heartbreak happen less. That's the least we can do in a self-governing society, right? Because this is not inevitable. It's a choice. You know that Onion headline they reprint after every major mass shooting? No way to present this, says only nation where this regularly happens. That's the dark truth. After all, we live in a country where guns outnumber people. America has more guns per person than Yemen, which is almost eight years into a civil war. And all those guns aren't keeping us safe. We're the world leader in mass shootings. In fact, guns account for 79% of all homicides in America in 2020. Compare that to just 4% in the UK, 13% in Australia, 37% in Canada. But here's the worst stat. Guns are now the leading cause of death among children in America. That's according to the New New England Journal of Medicine. This isn't pro-life. It says it's consistent with the vision of the founders. The Second Amendment's call for a well-regulated militia or even frontier gun culture where you often had to leave your guns at the town line. It's come about because we've twisted our gun laws to disconnect from any concept of common sense. Now, if you talk about limiting specific weapons these days, you'll get called a nanny state socialist or worse. So nobody better mention that the machine gun was heavily regulated in the 1930s with the support of the NRA. Another new article of gun faith is the right to walk around town carrying a weapon of war. But that definitely wasn't the case when the Black Panthers did it in the late 1960s. Listen to then-California governor Ronald Reagan. There is absolutely no reason why out on the street civilians should be carrying a loaded weapon. Well, of course, they're going to invoke Ronald Reagan. I mean, we should all be like Australia, where all the police and the government have weapons and the people don't. And this is why they were locked down the way they were. And this is why no matter how many of them poured out into the streets demanding rights, they couldn't do shit because they knew that they were just one step away from arrest or being eradicated. 
Kind of like China. Eh? They'd harvest you for organs. I mean, they might be doing that in Australia too. Just saying. Some people don't die. Some people are repurposed because they have special blood types or just the right size of a uterus for a man to give birth. Which, by the way, where are all the men complaining about abortions that they can't have? But let's listen again to what Reagan said about the Black Panthers who were literally threatening to shoot people that they shouldn't be walking around with loaded guns. Considering that of June 1st, I got that really snazzy bag in Puerto Rico and I'm going to have my gun locked and loaded in my little bag. There is absolutely no reason why out on the streets civilians should be carrying a loaded weapon. And more recently, Archer Reginald's Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia freely acknowledged the legitimacy of, quote, long-standing prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill, or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings, or laws imposing conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of arms. So stop pretending there's nothing we can do in the face of kids getting killed at school, that this is some inevitable byproduct of freedom, because that's BS. Not only is there plenty of room for common sense gun reforms, there is much more common ground than you might think. Now, check it out. This Pew survey from 2021 shows that 85% of Republicans and 90% of Democrats support preventing people with mental illness from buying guns. Common sense, right? Not only that, 70% of Republicans and 92% of Democrats support background checks for buying weapons at gun shows and private sales. 66% of all Americans support creating a federal gun database to track gun sales. 64% of Americans support banning high-capacity ammunition magazines. And 63% of Americans support banning assault-style weapons, policy that our country had in place from 94 to 2004, but was allowed to sunset, after which mass shootings rose dramatically. There's also broad agreement that allowing people to carry concealed weapons without a permit is a terrible idea. And we'll see the Supreme Court agrees in a few weeks. Finally, according to the Quinnipiac poll from last year, 74% of Americans support red flag laws, which allow police or family members to petition a judge to remove guns from a person who's deemed to be dangerous to themselves or others. And some conservatives in Congress have indicated some openness here. Now, look, I know cynicism passes for wisdom in Washington for a reason. No bipartisan gun reforms passed after Sandy Hook. So why would this time be different? Well, maybe because we've had a decade more of mass shootings. Because the NRA has been hobbled by self-inflicted scandals. And because these stats are evidence that there is common ground to be found. Modest actions that could lower the number of gun deaths in America, entirely consistent with the Second Amendment. The only question is whether members of Congress will have the courage to listen to the majority of Americans. It's a test of our decency, as well as a test for our democracy. And that's your reality check. Test of our humanity. John Avalon, thank you. Actually, let me show you what they're really worried about, okay? What they're really, really worried about. They're not worried about the children. They could give a shit about kids. They want to kill babies, right? They want to own your kids too. Take them away because you're a threat to them. It's shit like this that they're concerned about. That's 
the WWE Intercontinental Championship match. It's straight ahead on SmackDown Live. The locker room's salaries and SmackDown Live GM Daniel Bryan said, well, if that's the case, let's put them to work. Avoiding that kick and getting a two-count blocks the right hand, unloads a right of his own. So, that was not... That was not a WWW... Uh, SmackDown, that was the Ugandan parliament. Let's do another one, right? See, this is what they're worried about. They're really worried about this stuff. Hold on. Let's make sure that it's... This is what they are worried about, okay, you guys? It's all about the children, of course. Has nothing to do with that. And, you know, things have escalated in the Senate here in the U.S. too. Uh, Pretty wild, but what they're worried about is running out back doors. That's what they're worried about. With the motion that's before us, we got to make sure that we have a quorum. As a, as a point of personal privilege, I'm going to call on Senator Flake to speak. Uh, normally, we would start the vote right now, but as a point of personal privilege, I would call on Senator Flake. Oh, thank you. Um, I uh, have been speaking with a number of people on the other side. We've had conversations ongoing for a while uh, with regard to um, making sure that we do due diligence here. And I think it would be uh, proper to delay the floor vote uh, for up to, but not more than one week, uh, in order to let the FBI um, continue uh, to do an investigation limited in time and scope uh, to the current allegations that are there and uh, limit in time to no more than one week. And I, I will vote to advance the bill uh, to the floor with that understanding. And I, I've spoken to a few other members uh, um, who uh, on my side of the aisle that may be supportive as well. But that's my position. I, I think that, uh, that we, we ought to do what we can to make sure that, uh, that we do all due diligence with a nomination this important. And I want to say that this committee has acted properly and uh, the chairman has been over backwards uh, to do investigations from this committee and to delay this vote in this committee for a week so that Judge, or that, uh, that Ms. Ford, Dr. Ford could be heard and she was yesterday. Uh, so, so that's with that agreement. Uh, I will vote to advance the bill to the floor. Uh, Clerk will call the roll. Just wait, just one second. Can can Diane speak? The po- Could we have a description? Of- yeah, what are we voting on? That's a- we are voting on the motion to report the nomination to the floor. The clerk will call the roll. Uh, wait, that's not my understanding of what. Mr. Chairman, let the senator explain it. Chairman, <laughs> uh, that, that is my, under, my, my understanding. And if the Democrats could speak to it, if Chris or, or you, as no. we talked about before, that the Democrats would accept and endorse a, a one-week uh, FBI investigation limited in time and scope. Since you're, the deciding, since you're the deciding vote here, we'll vote. And then if there's any sort of discussion, we'll go do that after the vote. Call the roll. Aye. Mr. Graham, Aye. Mr. Cornyn, Aye. Mr. Lee, Aye. Mr. Cruz, Aye. Mr. Sass, Aye. Mr. Blake. Aye. 
This Mr. is Mr. Mr. Tillis. Aye. Mr. Kennedy. This Aye. is on the nominee. Yeah. On the nominee. No. Mr. Lady. On the nominee. No. Mr. Durbin. No. Mr. Whitehouse. No. Mr. No. Mr. Coon. On the nominee, no. Mr. Blumenthal. No. Ms. Corona. No. Mr. Booker. No. Ms. Harris. No. Mr. Chairman. Aye. Mr. Chairman, the votes are 11 days, 10 days. The nominee will be reported to the board. Mr. Floor. Chairman, may I be recognized? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I just want to thank my friend and colleague, uh, Senator Flake, and thank you. Uh, for um, giving us the time today to have a conversation. Um, a number of my colleagues have asked um, for a one-week delay in order that there might be an FBI investigation of what allegations are currently um, before this committee. Um, I respect Senator Flake's view that in his opinion, it was best to respect your having given Dr. Ford the time to be heard yesterday and advance the nominee to the floor. Um, but it is my hope that we could work together on a bipartisan basis to diligently pursue an FBI investigation within the next week, not for the purpose of delay, but for the purpose of investigating further either allegations made by Dr. Ford or others with a goal towards demonstrating a bipartisan commitment to diligently investigating these allegations. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Flake. Senator Feinstein. Thank you. Uh, I, I would support that motion. I think we do need this investigation. As a matter of fact, I sort of misunderstood, uh, Senator Flake, what you were doing. I thought it included a one-week investigation. So I would like to support the motion for that investigation. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Uh, we'll take turns here, Senator. Uh, I love this committee, but we're not the majority leader. Senator Flake has made clear what it would take him to be comfortable on a final passage vote. But it doesn't matter what we say here. This will be up to Senator uh, Schumer and Senator McConnell. So it is completely up to them. Yeah, and I think Mr. Jeff Chairman. has made himself very clear. And uh, no, Senator, let's I'm move. Senator Leahy. Senator Leahy. Well, Mr. Chairman, I want to make sure because this is somewhat unprecedented. Uh, somewhat unprecedented. Those were the raw, wild moments of them trying to stymie, uh, you know, because Ford, where is she, by the way? You may hear about her very soon, but it's so weird. You remember how Feinstein got the letter and it just so happened. <laughs> it just came around. See how Camel looked really different just a little over a year ago. You know, it's so weird. You'll be hearing about that soon. So, um, I think ending this show would be fun if, um, you know, we can see some things that we weren't supposed to see. I think that would be a great ending. Nothing to do with politics, just bizarre instances that have happened in the past caught on camera that you weren't supposed to see. Pretty interesting. We have the glitching cat. Either this cat, this cat is, is walking on an invisible treadmill or it was caught glitching. Recently, this video was uploaded to Reddit and it features a cat walking but staying perfectly in one place. So you might be thinking, oh, poor kitty, the ground must be slippery for them. And that's why it's having trouble walking. No, because a couple seconds into the video, a confused man walks by and the cat stops, turns to him, and then walks in his direction. But then it turns back and starts walking in the spot again. Is this a glitch in the matrix or should I say glitch in the meow tricks? <laughs>
Sorry, I hate myself. <laughs> In our ninth spot, we have the television. Posted on Reddit by user SpiceRack, he was trying to take a photo of his kittens when he caught a huge glitch on camera. They explained that they were trying to capture a photo of the hidden cat on the gray blanket. When he showed his friends, they're like, yo, dude, look at your TV. Turns out that the TV screen is showing a different image than its reflection in the mirror. Now, a lot of people tried to debunk this. He thought maybe he took the photo sideways with a professional camera, since cameras snap the photo from up to down. That could explain the change. But the poster verified that it was taken horizontally with an LG G5 with a 135 degree wide angle lens, hence why the door at the side looks a bit warped. He didn't use panorama and no stitching was evolved and it wasn't done intentionally. This was taken as a single shot. Quite weird, huh? What are the odds? Moving on at number eight, we have the disappearing motorists. No, this isn't proof of teleportation. They aren't driving into a portal and transporting somewhere miles away. Although it certainly looks like that. I don't know about you, but when I first saw this video, I was mind blown. Like I really thought they were going to be driving off the road and into the water. Now, someone on Reddit has managed to debunk this one. Seems as if whoever is filming this is high up on a building looking down, and the water we see is actually just the top of a wet building. But the way it's angled makes it look like they're really going under a bridge and disappearing. Let me know if you see it now. In our seventh spot today, we had the Sky Glitch. Posted by Reddit user Grimsby545, they were headed to their friend's house when they legitimately saw the sky glitching and took a picture of the moment. Look at that. The sky didn't know if it was night or daytime. Now, I have seen the sunset, but I have never seen the sky do something like this. Now, some think that it's just a giant cloud blocking the sky. If it is, then that's one massive dark cloud. Like, it literally blocked the sun and majority of the sky. Either way, it looks like a glitch in the matrix where the nighttime sky didn't load completely. Moving on at number six, we have the broken bracelet. Now, this is probably one of the weirdest glitches in the matrix of all time. So Reddit user MissMXSN posted on Reddit about how she found a bead from her bracelet on her floor while sweeping. She immediately thought, oh no, my bracelet broke. But it didn't. The bracelet still had 15 gems and 15 turtles on it. But all of a sudden, she had this extra turtle bead. Plus, the bracelet was perfectly fine. Now, people immediately shared a number of different theories with her. One was that her bracelet broke and someone in her family bought a replacement one so that she wouldn't notice. Only problem with this is that she claims she never takes this bracelet off and it was bought while she was on vacation. So it's not just from a local store. Another person thought maybe the bead had a fine crack in it and it slipped off the string. But like she said, she always had 15 turtles on the bracelet and that's how many she still had. Plus, upon inspection of the turtle bead, there were no cracks or flaws. So something glitched and she ended up with an extra bead. We are now at our fifth and halfway mark with the cat dog. This is another video making its rounds on TikTok right now. Let me show it to you. So it appears as if the camera person's neighbor's dog is up on the roof. But you might be thinking, where is its body? Well, it looks like it's just peeking its head up onto the roof to see what's going on, right? Wrong. Let's see the full video. That's right, it's a cat, folks. The whole time, that was a cat. So this cat has a dog's face on its backside. How trippy and glitchy is that? That's a plot twist no one was expecting. 
In our fourth spot, we have the doubled up cars. Now, what are the odds of two of the exact same cars parking next to each other and not in a dealership parking lot? Having the same make and model and color of the car being parked right next to you is pretty rare, right? Now, what are the odds of another set of identical cars being parked behind these identical cars? It's a very slim chance of this happening, but it happened in real life. So not only are the two blue Audis identical, but check the cars in the back as well. You got two identical Range Rovers back there. Someone out there really said, copy, paste, copy, paste. Coming in at number three, we have the Spawning Inn. Now this video is another one going viral on TikTok right now, and it's baffling a lot of people. But basically a security camera caught a man appearing out of nowhere. Check it out. Is this evidence of a man using his teleportation skills? How on earth did he just spawn out of nowhere? Now, of course, he could have been hanging out of the side of the van or he jumped out while the van was still in motion. But if that was me and I jumped off of a moving van, I would have been like, whoa, you know, try and get my balance. But this guy was standing still, not off balance or anything. So let me know what you think. Did he jump out of a moving van and stick his landing? Or is he a teleporter? Or both. Coming in at number two, we have the triplets. Bus passengers were shocked when they got on a bus and saw three identical looking men sitting in a straight line and all asleep. These men are complete strangers, yet they somehow all got on the same bus, all sat behind each other, and all decided to take a wee snooze. I just can't get over the fact that these men aren't related. Like, the first two could definitely pass as twins. This is just weird. Like, what are the odds? And in our number one spot today, we have the crossword ladies. If you thought that last picture was crazy, wait until you take a look at this one. These ladies are complete strangers, yet they look like twins and they're both dressed identically. They both are rocking some black pants with the exact same patterned blouse. They have glasses on their face and they both have a pair of dark sunglasses on the top of their head. Not only that, but they both have a love for crosswords as they are both doing one. Like, someone will look at this photo and think that it was set up. But no, these women are complete strangers. Again, literally somebody said, copy-paste. Starting off this countdown, we have the London Tube. This individual was in the London Tube when a good-looking girl sat down opposite of him. She had brown hair and a red coat on and a very distinct tattoo on her wrist. A little while later, the lady gets off and another woman gets on. This woman was wearing a beige trench coat but looked exactly like the brunette woman. They had the same face and everything. She then took off her coat and he noticed that she had the exact same tattoo on her wrist. Again, it was a pretty distinct tattoo. It wasn't like an affinity symbol with love written in it, but that's not all. Before she got off at her stop, she answered a call and started speaking in Italian. This is the exact same thing that the brunette woman did. The weirdest part, they both had the exact same conversation before getting off the train. Someone literally said copy-paste, just change their outfits, there you go. Unless they were twins and just trying to fool people, I don't know. In our ninth spot, we have the two different mornings. This story was submitted by Reddit user 1000punches. One morning, they got out of bed and did their normal morning routine. Brushed their teeth, had breakfast, you get it. Then they decided to play on their Nintendo DS for a bit before practicing some guitar. That's when suddenly he found himself in his car headed to Barnes & Noble. He pulled over being like, hey, what is going on? 
That's when he remembered a completely different morning routine. He got up, watered his plants, cleaned, and then hopped into his car. So he had two different mornings in one day, and he remembered both. It's pretty wild, if you ask me. In our eighth spot, we have the wife times two. One evening, a man and his wife were coming back home from dinner when something unexplainable happened. As they opened the door to their house, he saw his wife in the house already, sitting at the computer doing work. But his wife was beside him. He shook it off and went straight to bed. While in bed, he told his wife what he had seen, and that's when she got very serious. Apparently, as they entered the house, she too saw herself sitting at the computer. How creepy. Like, how do you explain having another random version of yourself? And the fact that they both saw it makes it even weirder. That's how you know they weren't just hallucinating. Doubt they were meant to see that glitch. In our seventh spot today, we have the car crash. This next individual was driving along, about to make a right-hand turn at a red light, when they heard the sound of crushing metal. He looked over and he saw a red car with its front all smashed in. It looked as if the driver drove into a wall. However, there was nothing around that it could have crashed into. He got out of his car to go help the passenger, and that's when he saw that no one was in the car. Where the heck? Did that car come from? What did it crash into? How did the crash happen? And most importantly, where did the driver go? Like, I have so many questions. Coming in at number six, we have the bug. One day, this individual was chasing a bug around their apartment, trying to kill it, when all of a sudden, it froze in midair. He claims that it wasn't hovering. It was just as if it was literally frozen, like somebody pressed pause, like Adam Sandler and click. His girlfriend came over asking what was going on, and that's when all of a sudden the bug disappeared into thin air, right before both of their eyes. It's as if the bug just teleported out of the room. So either the FBI has created teleporting robo-bugs that can spy on people, or they witnessed a glitch in the Matrix. Either way, I don't think they should have seen this. We're now at our fifth and halfway mark with the fish market. Imagine waking up and having a completely different life. That is what happened to this next man on today's list. He woke up, got dressed, and had his breakfast before heading out to the docks to sell fish all day. Except this man is not a fish vendor. He is a married man who has never worked in the fish market ever. Yet somehow he lived a life he didn't have for a day. The next day he woke up back in his own bed. Now some may say that this was all just a big vivid dream, but this guy knows it was more than that. He even woke up smelling of heavy cigarette smoke and fish. The fish vendor was a smoker. He is not. In our fourth spot, we have the friends glitch. Reddit user I am Angelin tells his strange glitch in the Matrix experience. One evening, he was getting off of Rotterdam subway when he spotted an old friend that he hadn't seen in years getting onto the subway. He called out his name and his friend turned to him, waved, and then did the whole call me, you know, gesture. Then he hopped on the subway. 30 seconds later, his phone rang. It was his friend who he had just seen, except his friend lived over 200 kilometers or 125 miles away from him. He claims that he saw Angelin getting into the subway near him. He called out to Angelin and Angelin was the one that turned and waved and did the call me gesture. So they both witnessed the same thing, just reversed. And both people were in completely different places when it happened. Now this is the definition 
of weird. In our third spot, we have the credit card numbers. So this woman was doing some online Christmas shopping when she went to check out and pay. Now she had her credit card numbers memorized, so she just plugged it in and proceeded to check out. Only when she checked out, the website told her that the credit card numbers were wrong. So she decided to grab her card and double check. That's when she realized that her credit card numbers were completely different. She had this card for a couple of years now, and all of a sudden, the numbers had changed. And for sure, it was her card. Like, it had her name on it, the code on the back was the same, and the expiry date was the same. But the numbers itself were completely different. She thought maybe she was remembering her old credit card's numbers, but at last, she was not. To this day, she still doesn't understand as to what happened and how the numbers on her card just randomly changed. In our second spot today, we have Mr. No Face. Reddit user Onion of Benzis was out driving one day when he came across a very odd driver. The man had no face whatsoever. He had no features at all. His face was just blank. He was so baffled that he stared at him for as long as he could to make sure that he wasn't just seeing things. Sure enough, this man just didn't have any facial features. His face was completely smooth. Like that is very scary. What would you do if you came across some slender man looking man? Okay, I'd freak out and probably never sleep again. And in our number one spot today, we have the delay. One night, this individual was sitting downstairs watching TV when he heard a few loud bangs from the stairs. It sounded as if his brother tumbled down the stairs. So he ran to go see if he was okay. But when he got there, nothing was there. He shook it off and went back to watching TV. Now, just as he sat down, his brother fell down the stairs. This time, for real. This is the case of like the audio and visual components being out of sync. Starting off this countdown, we have the, the ladies lady. on the bus. Imagine hop. So why did I show you this? So as you see, the first set had images that could be misconstrued, that could play tricks on your mind, right? Completely. A lot of those can be debunked. But then you have the stories of things Um you know, that happened. Like for those of you with the turtle bracelet, like the lady knows she got it. Just looking at the picture, I could see that there was a turtle missing and one of the gems was elongated. You can debunk most of these things and sometimes you can't tell, right? But the stories, if you are on Reddit, you will see that there are a lot of people that are experiencing things that don't make sense to them. And this is why your minds are so easily hacked. Because most of the things that you've been told about history and, and what's going on in your environment challenge what they're telling you has happened or is happening. Therefore, there is a segue to mind fuck you because this reality construct does it itself. Okay. It does it itself. I'm pretty sure there's a ton of you out there that have some weird stuff. You know, there's tons of you out there that have gotten into a car and you started driving. And then next thing you know, you're at your destination. You're like, wait a minute. Did I just forget, you know, the whole drive? I, I know the first time it happened to me, I was driving from one city overseas to another that was a hundred kilometers away. And I remember driving and I started the drive. I remember turning onto the highway. I remember going through the tolls. And then next thing you know, I'm at the next tolls. And I'm like, that's impossible, right? That is completely impossible. Yet it's not impossible. It's impossible, right? There's a lot of these things. 
that happen that people can't explain because again, this is a construct. So, you know, for those of you, you know, thinking this and that, you'll see that the first portion was mostly disinformation and perspective. And the other portion was actually people saying what had happened. I'm pretty sure that the Italian girls that popped on, that really happened to that guy. I have friends that are twins that do the same shit to people, right? So, you know, the two girls with the uh, tattoo, you know, they do that all the time. They like to mess with people. I mean, I'm the type of person that before people were using Bluetooth, they would have that shit on and I would push messages, right? Because phones back then were not secure. I would do stuff like that. I do stuff like that when I people watch. But there are other more frightening things like the no face or uh, auditory delays or speed ups that people don't understand. They just assume, oh, that's a premonition. There's a something, something, right? These are really, really real experiences that people have. And one key component of psychological operations is that you understand that people do have weird shit happen to them. Therefore, people crave structure and will most likely believe something that everyone says is correct than going against the grain. This is why people on Reddit are like, I know you're going to call me crazy. And it's like, why? Pretty sure a lot of people have had the same. Let me tell you the most recent one. I don't know how this happened. I'm dead serious. But um, let me explain to you guys what happened Monday night on May 16th. I arrived to the airport and as I'm driving to the airport, Hera texts me and says, mom, don't worry about me. The flight's been delayed for 30 minutes. So I'll be there with more than enough time. I check in our suitcases and Hera's going to check in on the app and we're still checking in suitcases. Hera's already in the airport, right? <laughs> she was really quick. So there was a delay and then another delay and then another delay. And then they canceled the flight at like 1030 at night. And I'm like, shit, it's 1030. So I'm like, all right, United, uh, you need to get me another flight. I need to be at the five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, those are fully booked. We can get you out tomorrow at 10 p.m. I was like, that's not going to work. My flight from New York leaves at 8 a.m. for Puerto Rico. And I got the bomb diggity price of first class with the live flat seats. You're not doing this shit to me. I already used my miles. That was my thought. I didn't say all that. And I check Delta, I check American. I'm like, dude, we're going to miss the flight. This is so messed up. Then I'm like trains and I'm like, fuck the trains. I can't get there with a train. So then I'm like, I'm going to rent a car, right? I'm going to rent the vehicle <clears throat> and I'm going to drive. There's two drivers, me and Hera. It's a seven hour drive. You know, if I step on it, we can make it six, <laughs> right? Which I did. And we'll swap. You know, that's a two hours swap two hours swap and we're there, right? That's that, that was the thought. Well, I try to rent the vehicle and enterprise is like, nah, you can't get it because I put pick up in Cleveland, drop off in New York. And then I was like, damn it. So I log in again, but this time I don't put in, drop it off in New York. And it's like, yeah, sure. We have a vehicle. I'm like, Oh, I see how that goes. You just didn't want to like go to the car. So I'm like, I'm going to rent it. And then I'm going to call enterprise four hours into the drive and say, hey, change of plans. I'm dropping this off over there. So I'm just updating the destination. So I begin to drive. I can tell you 
up until about 50 miles from New York, I had not stopped. I was driving straight. I got to New York at 5 a.m. And I drove straight, right? Literally stopped 50 miles out to put gas. That's it. And I have to say that the GPS was really creepy because it took me down somewhere in Pennsylvania. I knew it was Pennsylvania because I saw Mastriano signs on the, uh, you know, at the houses. But um, it was taking me down weird, like, Devil's Way, Zion Street, uh, Demon's Corner and shit like that in the middle of the night in the back roads of Pennsylvania off the highway so I could get to another highway. And what was also creepy is, is that there was like this big ass truck with like crazy lights. It looked like a clown show. I might've been imagining it. Okay. Cause I don't remember the whole drive. I don't remember when I got out of Ohio. I don't remember going through Pittsburgh. I don't remember anything. Okay. Anything except for the fact that I was terrified of a truck that was riding up behind me in, you know, at like the wee hours of the morning, two, 3 a.m. Um, and he was, you know, he had all these like, almost looked like fairy lights around his truck. And he had some sheet hanging in the back of it. You know, I moved over and then he sped up past me. And I'm like, that's crazy. I'm going 90. How is this fucker speeding past me? He's a big ass truck. And then I was like, all right. Well, now this other truck is coming in behind me and I'm not feeling this. Something felt creepy. So I just floored it, right? floored it and went and it felt like he was chasing me. It could have been like in my mind because I was delirious, but I'm going to tell you something. That's the only thing I remember from that drive was the creepy truck that looked like a circus and um, uh, going down the weird roads because right after I got back on the highway from going down the rear roads is where I stopped for gas. And I can tell you also that I don't even remember Puerto Rico when I got out of the airport where the car rental place is. I remember getting to it. I remember that once I got to Puerto Rico, I was like, okay, we're here. We're almost at the hotel. And I remember that the enterprise person, I don't know how we got there, <laughs> said, yeah, she can't drive it because she's under 25 in this category of vehicles. And I was like, downgrade me. They were like, you want to downgrade? I was like, downgrade me. And the minute they said, okay, that's your vehicle, I got in the back seat and like I was done. Like, I don't remember anything. Hera took us to the hotel and then I checked in. So I was listening um, uh, to YouTube channels um, that were keeping me active. It's some guy that um, reads off Reddit posts um, because that keeps you active. There's different stories all the time. You know, my wife left me and all this shit, you know, the complaining ones and that was keeping me. But I don't remember driving from Ohio up until those, um, up until the, the truck, which would have been maybe four and a half hours into the drive. So a lot of things like that happen and it's normal. I guess, you know, I was more fixated on making sure that my, um, that, my, my kid's vacation was happening. Right. And I was so focused on that, that I wasn't paying attention. I was just driving. I was literally, it was a, it was a big Ford. 
I'm trying to, it's an expedition because it had three rows and each of the kids had slept in one of the rows of the chairs. And Hera told, I told Hera, I'll take first shift. I wasn't going to wake her up, you know, and, um, stress, um, in general induces, um, memory loss and, um, lack of perception, um, or hyper-focusing does that too. So again, these are all reasons as to why people can get mind hacked. This is a war for your mind. And in a time of concerns like this, what people need to do is simply be their own hero of their own story. Don't need to wait for someone to come get you. You don't need to come have someone rescue you and you don't need someone to explain to you what happened, right? Uh, like even in this, someone would be like, oh, you probably had a time slip from Ohio to, you know, Pennsylvania outskirts of New York. And it's like, you know, or they'll tell me that that thing that happened to that couple, Betty and whatever, I was abducted and teleported with my kids and my suitcases. You know, people can make up things. But the, the fact of the matter is our minds are so amazing and so, um, I mean, look, they have five senses of input. Your computer has a mouse and a keyboard. Now it has microphones and cameras, huh? Mimicry, best form of flattery, right? But all of these things work in concert to um, formulate your perception. And so it's really important that we disallow external influences to influence the input that comes in. And that's something that everyone can do. Now, um, in a couple of days, you guys are going to notice, and I'm telling you this now, that June is going to be one of the longest months that you're going to endure. It should be starting around Friday with the long weekend. You're going to see how time is going to put concrete. There's a lot of... Uh, things that are being discussed and put together. And this is where they need time. They sped things up to get where they wanted to go. And now they need to slow it down because it didn't work out so well. So in that sense, I want to leave you guys with um, this video that I found that is pretty cool. When I think of the people in my life, there are many that I consider to be heroes. People who have helped me grow, shape the person that I've become over the years. Some I'm lucky enough to interact with every day, right? I know them personally. Others I've admired from a distance. Reading their books, learning from their example. It's safe to say that without these people in our lives, we would not be where we are today. They provide the knowledge, the skills, and the tools to take on the world. But what they cannot do is push you through the door. They can help you build your wings, but they can't make you fly. For that, you have to look inward. To the most important hero in your life. The one who can save you from any situation who can take you to heights that you've never dreamed of. 
the one who decides if you fail or succeed long before the challenge is even attempted. The one you see in the mirror. A hero is someone who's willing to take the dangerous road, to go where most people will not, to put everything on the line for what you believe in. Heroes, by their very nature, are exceptional. Expect that of yourself. Know that just because everyone sees something a certain way, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be challenged or adjusted. You are an innovator, striving towards something new. And heroes don't run from the unknown, they seek it out and find the strength to embrace it. Victory is a product of struggle, of pain. Of the times when the walls were closing in around you, but there was never a doubt in your mind that you'd get yourself out. Ask yourself how bad you want to succeed, to win. Because once you've decided that you want it, that you truly want it, you'll know that you'll find success. Because you know that you'll do whatever it takes. Heroes don't quit. And having this faith in yourself, it brings a sense of power, of adrenaline. There is nothing you can't do, nothing you can't overcome. The world transforms into your kingdom. And while it doesn't owe you anything, you owe it to yourself to take what's yours from the world. So be your own person. Live with courage. And follow your heart. It will never lead you astray. You will never be led astray by trusting your gut. And before we get into our little short musical compilation to end tonight, I wanted to tell you guys something. I know a lot of you, and I've noticed that a lot of you have put out posts about Putin being sick and how, you know, his right arm is always stiff and those are signs of this and that. I'm going to tell you something that I learned. People that are highly trained will most likely sway their left arm and not their right. Their right arm will always be stuck to their side. I do that too. When I walk, you'll see, uh, well, it's usually my, my, my left hand, even though I have over my left shoulder, my handbag, my right arm, I don't sway as much, but I sway my whole left side to keep my balance. There's a reason for that. If I was left-handed, it would be my right hand and my right shoulder that would be holding the bag. Why? It's so that way you can access your weapon easier. You need to be on the ready to guard yourself from a fall, from an attack or anything. For those of you that have actually been trained properly in um, specific operations, you would know this. And Putin, if you remember, was a KGB agent. So he doesn't have an issue with his hand. He just needs it close to his side to either grab a weapon or to hold himself. That's the way it is. So for for me, when I have my handbag and inside I have my handgun, you know, I'm swaying that shit around over my shoulder, right? If I'm not wearing the strappy one across my chest. But my right hand, which is because I'm right dominant, even though I'm ambidextrous, I prefer my right hand, right? I would keep that more still so it can be ready to either break a fall, to grab a weapon, to move or anything. I just, I just wanted to point that out. Now, 
Here's our musical interlude. I will see you guys tomorrow, hopefully on time, and that there will no there won't be any more updates. God bless everyone. Have a fantastic evening. I'll see you tomorrow. Not me.